Welcome to the eGovernance Academy podcast to discover the future of governance. Tune in for the Digital Government Podcast every Wednesday. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the audience of the Digital Government Podcast. As usual, I'm Federico Plantera, your host, journalist, sociologist, and researcher. And today we have Ott Velsberg, who's the chief data officer of the Estonian government, to talk to us about the use of artificial intelligence in uh, public service provision, what has happened in Estonia, what we did, and uh, what are some of the, indeed, uh, key findings, let's say, that could be reused around the world by other policymakers. So, Ott, welcome. Great to be here. Thank you. Nice. So let's start, let's kick off, let's kick off right away with, um, with talking a bit more in general, let's say, about the potential use cases for, or like the opportunity, let's say, for the use of artificial intelligence in the provision of public services. And then we get down more to what has happened in Estonia, where is AI used in uh, public services in Estonia. But first, AI in public service provision. Is it necessary? Why do we need it? What are the advantages that we can uh, harvest from it? Mm -hmm. So in Estonia, I see that um, kind of the overarching idea is that uh, we must make our citizens and uh, companies' lives as good as possible. And a possible way to achieve that is using data to increase uh, the quality of life and employment and so on. And more precisely talking, uh, I see that using AI allows us to do more uh, data-driven decision-making, which is important, especially during the time of uh, COVID crisis. We have seen that gut feeling is not always uh, the right way to uh, make hard decisions. Uh, also, automating different tasks. Um, as most listeners uh, know, or uh, if not, then uh, our, our unemployment rate is actually quite uh, low. So we need to rethink on how we can automate the more simpler tasks. So we as humans, we can concentrate on more fulfilling, more value-grating uh, uh, opportunities. And as a result, in AI strategy, the idea is to really make the government proactive, uh, seamless, automated. And I see that AI itself has a truly kind of a key part to play in that road. And uh, also in the end, it is about zero bureaucracy, making the government the best for its uh, citizens. Okay, so let's say that there are two elements. Well, I could identify, let's say, two elements to unpack one by one. The first would be indeed like the aspect of uh, if we break down someone's work or someone's job, let's say, into different tasks, then there are definitely some tasks within uh, one's occupation, be that in the public sector or also, let's say, somewhere else in the private sector uh, that could easily be automated and left to the machine, let's say. No? And then there is the second aspect, which is the one of the um of lowering the burden uh of the bureaucracy machine let's say this other uh this other metaphor in a sense so let's go if we if we focus on the first aspect first um to begin with the um, ai has already had an impact in estonia for in terms of how the public sector works and operates uh, towards the end of providing public services, meaning, what's the question? What are 
if we can say a bit more specifically, what are these type of tasks that have been automated and that, for example, public sector employees don't have to do anymore? Mm -hmm. So if we talk about automating uh, tasks, then uh, one of the kind of the key things that increasingly is being used is different type of transcription. So uh, even if we are speaking right now, then all of that text is automatically transcribed. Uh, we have already similarly piloted automat uh, automatic subtitling in our national broadcasting. So people with um, hearing impairments can actually understand what is talked on the news broadcasting. Similarly, different text analytics, anonymizing texts, understanding what type of personal information is contained within different documents, also classifying even emails understanding um, our customer or citizen sentiment towards different public services. So these are kind of more simpler tasks, but we have also moved towards helping um, government officials to um, more efficiently assign, for instance, uh, the risk factor of different uh, emergency situations. So really providing kind of a recommendation on how to approach a thing. Similarly, different optimization, understanding where the police should uh, kind of control if people are speeding, also making more optimized decision on a different control mechanism. Uh, for instance, uh, we are aggressively using remote sensing. And we use remote sensing in agriculture, for instance, to understand if farmers mow the farmland. This is a requirement from us because we provide subsidies to farmers and there's one requirement you actually have to mow the farmland as well. And similarly, we have used the remote sensing in understanding uh, where the ice breaking vessels should go so they wouldn't do kind of unnecessary work. Similarly, the height of the trees, how logging is, uh, is being done. So if there is a possibility to reduce the time we spend going from one place to another, getting a better overview, uh, getting better recommendations and also automating really simple tasks. Even, uh, for instance, our national li uh, library has carried out the project on providing keywords to different uh, documents, books. So it's a simple use case, but the idea is still we are helping people to use their time in the best manner. Yeah, at this point, I would say that maybe part of the title of this episode should be changed a little bit because I was thinking indeed uh, of the use of AI limited to public service provision. But then, of course, we're seeing that in a way it's becoming it's just permeating, let's say, more and more and more like different uh, different aspects indeed of uh, life in a digital society indeed. Even, uh, But uh, tell me. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And uh, I can see that happening everywhere. Uh, for instance, um, there was a project on understanding if people uh, get lost in the forest and how to find them. So drone, helping drone operators. This is like for listeners who don't know Estonians, we love foraging. Like during the summertime, people get lost in the forest trying to find mushrooms and berries. So to really help the drone operator to find people lost, again, a simple thing, even understanding what type of animals are roaming around in the forest and get the precise number of how many deers or foxes there are. Again, this information is then used in the policy making uh, to give kind of uh, grants how many deers can be hunted or bears can be hunted and so on. So 
it is really kind of um, pushing in uh, in all areas of life. And similarly, the solutions that the government has today uh, developed is already really kind of uh, steadily and uh, more aggressively being implemented also by the private sector. And uh, part of that is our approach of being open source. But also, I will make, uh, I will add, let's say, one fun fact to the to the foraging topic. Like to other listeners, like really, this is key information. The one that the one that I just explained. Because, for example, in autumn, I just clearly remember that in the same day, the same person got lost in the forest twice and had to be rescued twice. The news was on the on the national broadcast. But indeed, uh, so. It, <laughs> If you're so stubborn that still, like when you go for like mushroom picking, then you you get lost twice in the same day, then at least let's say uh, AI partly can uh, can help uh, rescuers in uh, carrying out their tasks. But Ot, let's switch now instead to the uh, the bureaucracy aspect that we that we also mentioned, uh, because of course like. Uh, it made the headlines in the past uh, months, uh, like many months, actually. Uh, the fact that Estonia has started um, developing and implementing bureaucrat. No, so what is bureaucrat? Yes, bureaucrat. Bureaucrat is how I see that uh, the government should operate in the age of AI. To be uh, kind of short, but bureaucrat in short is actually uh, government virtual assistant. And the idea is to enable citizens to decide how they are going to interact with the government. So whether it is using uh, your phone, whether it is talking to your fridge, and whether it is using uh, different communication channels, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, even calling the government. You as a citizen, you have the power to decide how you contact and interact with the government and how you use government services. And if we talk about government services, we are really talking about personalized government services as if uh, renewing your uh, passport or driving license or notifying of uh, some malfunction or problem with uh, a product you just purchased. So it is everything the government offers, but we try to make it customer or citizen friendly. And at the same time, it is fully agnostic. You as a citizen, you as a user can decide how and on what terms the government interacts with. And similarly, we are kind of step-by-step step moving towards being more proactive. So if the government knows that you as a citizen, you're eligible for a child's benefit or a grant because you're studying great, then we should proactively say that. And I find, find it kind of uh, annoying that so far the approach has been kind of the other way around. You have to know that you are eligible for some kind of funding, subsidies or grants, even though from the data that we have, we can already assume that. But right now we are controlling your information that you gave and then say, that, yes, that's right. You are eligible for a child's benefit, but it should be an other way around. We should really be there as a government to support people. Yeah, exactly, because this type of support might often even go missing in the sense might go untapped on. Absolutely. And that's the, that's the most uh, kind of uh, important thing. And um, there is like a huge problem in Estonia that people actually don't know that they get uh, funding from the government for taking care of their teeth. 
And as a result, each year, a lot of people don't use that allowance. But in the end, the idea why we have that uh, money set aside is because we want to take care of everyone's health. And if people are not aware of uh, the funding we have, we should step in and help people's lives, health become better. And this is a really great, kind of great way to do that. You mentioned two terms that I was just going to get into, which were uh, data and information. So in that sense, on that aspect, was there any particular challenge or even maybe ethical challenge, let's say, to address or to sort out in terms of like what data to use, what permissions to ask um, in order to get to this point? Because recently uh, on this podcast, we have... Uh, we had a we had an episode with Catherine uh, Nyman Metcalf, and we addressed like a similar topic on uh, indeed like the ethical challenges of using uh, AI in service provision. So, what was the uh, what was the situation here? So, if we talk about in general of AI in public sector, then everything is always done in an ethical way, and I don't really see that uh, kind of. Artificial intelligence itself is somehow more unethical than what people are doing right now. And to be honest, it is actually quite interesting that if we take other technologies that are more pervasive, uh, let's take Internet of Things, that oftentimes collects data on humans directly or indirectly, where you drive and so on, and that information is being analyzed. We don't see any discussion on the ethics but on artificial intelligence, kind of the overarching uh, discussion in Europe, especially, is on ethics. And very little is concentrated on the actual impact. So I would just kind of say in short that uh, there hasn't been much discussions on that part. Uh, data we use is, of course, an issue that we are already, uh, always kind of considering. And this is uh, not an issue more, but that in Estonian law, it is well regulated on how data can be used. It is set in the law and you can uh, really operate in that precise kind of boundary. And at the same time, we what we have been working on and what is a problem related to AI, and this is a kind of a recommendation to everyone as well, is to work on data findability. You need to provide metadata on data. So it can be actually be uh, searchable, findable, by everyone else outside of your organization. And the second thing is data quality. This is like a common sense already, but data quality, data, metadata quality, these are the things that we are right now working on more. Of course, data privacy, uh, GDPR has its effect, but it is not always a bad thing. And we just need to find a way of how to analyze the data in an anonymized and privacy preserving manner. Yeah, because if we get for a second to the the distinction, let's say that, that we made uh, or the comparison, let's say between Internet of Things and artificial intelligence, maybe the worry or or rather the increased attention towards artificial intelligence, as compared to the topic of Internet of Things, is that maybe like most like most people think, yeah, but artificial intelligence can make decisions and maybe Internet of Things cannot. But actually, Internet of Things also some, yeah, makes decisions. Exactly. And this is, this is I'm not sure what it's, what it's kind of the grounds based on why people trust some technologies more than others, even though 
another technology is more pervasive in many ways. But I think it has to do a lot with kind of how we perceive AI. Because in Internet of Things, we are not talking about singularity or taking over the control of humans. But on the AI side, more and more people are talking that uh, sing uh, singular or singularity of AI kind of uh, replacing humans is around the corner. Although I can say that from a practical perspective, we are far from it. Even if you heard the examples, we are talking about classifying uh, email text and uh, giving recommendations and providing rec uh, predictions, but this is nowhere replacing humans. Yeah, I would say that maybe uh, indeed this is probably one of the, I would say that probably this concern is a bit also induced by the the hype cloud that surrounds let's say the talks around ai which is the fact that like since so many are talking about ai and already like the future of uh, i don't know ai already the the ai debate in some for example news media outlets has already gone to the point of being the future of ai like <laughs> we are not even at ai properly let's say and so maybe that is like also what uh, triggers this thought in the mind of a lot of people thinking, okay, I don't know, it's already a bit too late, let's say, to, to, to limit it or to understand what the use cases properly could be. But actually, I mean, we still have a very long way to go. Absolutely. And I think um, in some, some years, we are most likely going to see a new name, how we label kind of AI, because this is how hype trains typically work. We start talking about e-government, we move towards digital government, we move then to uh, digital smart society, for example, and digital or smart the society. And there we go. So as the time goes by, we are really talking about different things. And this is a really normal thing. We started out uh, years ago talking about digitization, digitalization. Now we are talking about digital transformation and so on. So this is just the way humans behave. And I think using different terms to spark the interest is not always a bad thing, but we should be kind of cautious about the semantic liberalism that we are right now uh, kind of heading towards using different terms uh, interchangeably just to make things more interesting. Yeah, because also, mm, I mean, one of the side effects of Let's call them buzzwords, let's say. You know, one of the side effects of uh, uh, hype innovation-based buzzwords is also the fact that maybe, mm, I don't know, keynote speakers or like um, these people don't really take into account the fact that it might not sound that cool to everyone and it might actually instill some worries in a lot of other people. People who are not just like, let's say, from the general public, but also who are like stakeholders in eventually coming up with collective decisions, which... I don't know, could involve labor unions, for example, or it could involve uh, parties. Uh, so, because after all, in any case, policymakers are still like the, the legislators are still politicians, uh, politicians who represent in any case, parties and people with beliefs. And of course, not all these people perceive the same things in the same way, especially when it comes to technology innovation and something that can disrupt aspects of their own life. Uh, either passively or actively when, for example, it comes to the topic of jobs. I will just add one element here, which is the fact exactly that um, even like academic research like has shown on, for example, the impact of artificial intelligence or automation on jobs that there will be very few jobs, let's say, that will be entirely replaced 
by artificial intelligence or automation. These are also the ones that have been affected um, already when when the computers came, for example, like you know, like the telling machines at the bank, or like a, a certain uh, type of like financial and accounting occupations, let's say. Uh, but then for the rest, these jobs need to be broken down into tasks and then part of these tasks will be automated uh, part of these jobs will be automated but not that they will disappear entirely but then we head now towards the end of this episode with understanding what what were the prerequisite like what came before ai so uh in the beginning it was chaos no but uh but essentially what what was needed to have in place in estonia for example for the use of AI in the provision of public service to take place. And as a consequence, this also works a little bit as, if not a recommendation, at least uh, an evidence on the lessons learned, let's say. So what did we need in Estonia before starting to talk seriously and implementing AI? So I already mentioned uh, to some degree that uh, in the end, if we talk about AI, we have to consider uh, data and um, rethinking how data can uh, create value. But I think what is more important even is understanding and thinking in terms of how you can reimagine organizational processes and how you can actually create contextual awareness. We are often focused on implementing every new hype technology and it doesn't typically create that much innovation. It doesn't create that much uh, smartness or value in organizations. So we need to rethink on how the technology itself can help us to reimagine organizational structures, processes. And this means that we need to actually involve the organization, the people that work, the clients that in the end are affected by the technology. And at the same time, keep things simple. I think most of the projects that we have done today start always by outlining the business problem and that without kind of AI in the back of your neck. So you are not thinking on how we can now implement this new sexy technology, but instead of what is the problem that we are sol uh, trying to solve and what is the best way to do that. And AI in many ways is a great uh, tool sometimes, but it is not the tool for everything. So keep it simple is uh, my just a great recommendation to everyone. Yeah, that feels like a great point, let's say, to to get started and also a great point to end this episode. So, Ot, thanks a lot for joining us today. Thank you. And uh, thanks to, also to all our listeners. And uh, you'll hear from us at the next episode of the Digital Government Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by eGovernance Academy. Tune in on next Wednesday.